This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 28th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Wow, it's the 28th episode today. Um, I have a special guest, Dave Gravenkamper. Dave, I will give a little introduction of you, the listeners. Um, I've known Dave for many years, an old Seattle friend. Dave Gravenkamper has 20-plus years of experience in sales, service, and operations on the ticketing and marketing side of sports. He's been a manager of some sports ticketing campaigns. Dave has worked for uh, various pro sports franchises that include the Seattle Mariners, the Seattle Supersonics, Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and several others. Dave, for nearly a decade, uh, from in 2006 through 2015, was the Associate Athletic Director, Ticket Sales, Services, and Operations, University of Washington. Dave managed ticket operations for nine sports with an annual tenants of over 600,000. Um, Dave worked for a year in Australia for the Australia Baseball League, uh, Major League Baseball International in Sydney, Australia. I'm definitely going to ask you about your experience in, in Australia, Dave. Absolutely. Dave uh, also worked recently uh, for the Seattle Sports Commission, and he did some work for the Seattle Seawolves, the, the 2018 Major League Rugby Championship team. Today we're going to learn more about Dave's career and his thoughts about all sorts of happenings in the sports marketing and ticket worlds. Um, I advise my listeners to follow Dave Gravenkamper on Twitter, and you can see all sorts of interesting posts about the sports ticketing industry. Go to D Gravenkamper, um, or I should say at D Gravenkamper at Twitter. Dave, thanks for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Thanks for having me, Paul. Absolutely. Dave, I'm going to go a little out of chronological order here. I want to hear first about your work for the Seattle Seawolves, founded in 2017. The Seawolves, as I mentioned in the introduction, are the 2018 Major League Rugby champions. What type of work did you do for the Seawolves, Dave? And do you see rugby coming bigger one day in the United States? Yeah, so you know, I was working for the Seattle Sports Commission for about a year, and I met the uh, owner of the Seawolves during my time there, Shane Skinner, who's actually a Madison Park resident, a great guy. And uh, Shane and I connected after I left the Sports Commission, and he had already launched his ticket sales program for the team. Um, they play at Starfire down at Tequila, where the uh, Sounders train, and he needed some ticketing expertise to come in and help just top off what he had done from a season ticket standpoint, and then moving into the season, um, getting into group sales, single-game promotions, and different distribution points for tickets. And it's a small stadium down there, only 3,500, and uh, the goal is to sell out every game down there, and we did. Great. And did you enjoy working in the sport of rugby? It's great, yeah. So I didn't know much about rugby until I went to Australia, and we're probably going to touch on that uh, later. But um, that's one of the biggest sports in Australia, and I know it's a fast-growing sport here in the U.S., uh, so it was really interesting for me to come back from a country that was very passionate, loving that sport, and coming and, and helping grow that new pro league, the Major League Rugby, uh, here in the States. And, you know, it is one of the fastest growing sports, and the level of play is, is high quality, and it was a great, great experience. It's neat you had that Australia experience that you brought back to the States. Well, we will talk about that later. Well, by the way, Dave, I think this is the first time the sport of rugby has come up on any of my shows, so I think this is fun to... <laughs> be able to hit on the sport, although it's brief, we can have a, a little bit of a rugby conversation. Yep, this, is a Paul Sh- this is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with veteran sports industry ticket executive David Gravenkamper. Dave, um, I want to ask you about this. I, you may have mentioned this to me years ago, but I, I actually don't remember the answer. Um, tell us how you broke in the, sp- the sports ticketing and sales business back in about the mid-1990s. 
Yeah, going way back. So you and I grew up coming to all the sporting events in Seattle. We're both big fans of all of our teams. And, you know, that was back in the 80s when the Sonics were still here and doing well. And Don James had turned UW around. The Mariners had joined the, joined the ranks. The Seahawks had joined the ranks as well. So we were kind of in the, the infant stage of being, you know, Seattle sports fans. And so I'd been a big sports fan ever since I can remember. And it was always a passion of mine. So Baseball turned into one of my favorite sports over time. We're, you know, I was in one of the first fantasy rotisserie baseball leagues uh, in high school. And uh, getting out of high school, I had the crazy idea of being a GM, just like you know a lot of us sports nuts did, uh, making trades and dealing with players. Uh, back in the 90s, the way to break into baseball, if you weren't a player, was to sell tickets. So my first job was with the Tacoma Rainiers. I sat on a bar stool in the ticket office, literally called cold called out of a phone book and as crazy as it was i loved it and uh, continued on to uh, to move in as a career uh selling tickets as opposed to going on to the baseball side which was impossible at the time there's no billy bean or, or Moneyball back then it was right. all players right. that you know former players that became scouts and then they moved up the ranks that way so uh but the business side was very interesting to me being a business major and and uh going that direction i love how you started on the bar stool to come around here it's a fun, fun story Dave, yes. um, we're going to keep we're going to hit on a potpourri of subjects today. We're going to hit on your career more, and you know all sorts of contemporary ticket issues as well. Dave, I want to ask you a question about subscription ticketing. Um, it's been compared to Netflix or Hulu, where fans can, with some usually limited restrictions, basically still go to as many games as they want at a modest expense. I learned, for example, David, in Atlanta that Atlanta sports tickets are also linked to seeing concerts and other events in Atlanta. Um, I sort of compare it to like that city pass you can buy to go on tours of a city and you can see miscellaneous sites. Um, Dave, give us some of your thoughts about subscription ticketing. And is this the present and the future in the sports ticketing business? I think it's a great concept. I think that there's a lot of work to do behind the scenes. I haven't looked at Atlanta's version uh, myself, but uh, taking Seattle, for example, and you've got all these different teams that are all looking for for new fans and new participation points. But it's a matter of getting them all to the table and making an agreement with all of themselves to, uh, to come and do like a combo type ticket where, um, you know, it's kind of like a punch card where you can punch right. it for, you know, Sounders, Mariners, Huskies, uh, Seawolves, whatever the teams are that are in the table. Um, I think it's a great concept, but I'm not sure how it works down in Atlanta, but I think that that is a direction that could, that could happen um, just in general. And there's a lot of, there's, there's need for flexibility. So, a lot of colleges these days are coming out with what they call a flex pass, where it's just a pass that you pay a, a lesser value uh, than a season ticket. They don't, you don't know where the tickets are, but you get to pick the games you want to come to, and then you, get, then you get your ticket like 24 hours in advance. It's assigned to you from, you know, from the ticket office, and uh, that's a great way to go as well. So flexibility is a big issue uh, in, in sports tickets. It's not our grandparents' sports tickets anymore, is it, David? <laughs> Definitely not. And they're still going to the games and there's still a need for that as well. But the traditional, you know, hard tickets and, you know, all the picture tickets for souvenirs that are going out to grandkids and those kinds of things. But really the general trend is getting more mobile and, and, and flexibility. Well, this is a great segue to my next question and topics for you, Dave. And we talked about this briefly off the air. There's a Nathan Hubbard, formerly of Ticketmaster and Twitter. He's now starting a company, Rival. And I believe the company is going to get formally going in about 2019. And uh, Dave, you can help probably fill in some gaps on it. But Rival apparently is an identity-based and mobile-focusing ticketing system that allows teams to easily select how to distribute inventory. 
Um, two questions for you, Dave, on this. Um, Hubbard commented that season tickets are dead. He came out and said that in an interview. Here's two questions for you, Dave. Number one, would you go as far as Mr. Hubbard in believing that season tickets are done? Or do you think season tickets are just more evolving? My second question here is tell us whether you think this another company can uh, fit in in the secondary and ticket consolidation business. I know that Ticketmaster and StubHub are so big. So I got uh, two questions for you. Start with the first one about whether you believe, agree with Hubbard that season <laughs> tickets are dead. I have a lot of respect for Nathan Hubbard. I haven't met him, but I've seen him speak, and we've we've followed each other on Twitter. And he was a Ticketmaster when UW was a Ticketmaster as well. So I know a fair amount about his background. Um, but I respectfully disagree. I don't think season tickets are dead. I think the traditional way of selling season tickets is in big trouble. Um, just packaging all your tickets into one uh, subscription, so to speak, and selling them that way, especially with the bigger, the the more event sports like baseball and basketball and hockey, is really is really challenging. But at the same time, season tickets. I mean, the way to get over the uh, the, the loss of folks that are buying full season tickets is to add more value. Interesting. And I think a lot of a lot of teams and colleges out there, if they, they're adding more value to the proposition to keep season tickets and donors and, and college athletics uh, perspective um, on board because, um, you know, that's the bread and butter. That's the bread and butter of an organization. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. And, and Dave, you mentioned earlier that, that um, off the air that Amazon tried to break in, I believe, to the um, ticket business. Do you, can you see this rival company making it and competing with, with Ticketmaster and StubHub? It's going to be tough. I mean, Amazon, like I said, gave it a shot two years ago and pulled the plug after a year um, because I think that Ticketmaster is so ingrained relationship-wise with Live Nation, actually owns Ticketmaster from a concert standpoint and a venue standpoint. Um, they've got you know lengthy contracts signed up with a lot of the teams, so it's a really tough nut to break. But there are seems like it. Yeah, but there are competitors out there that are doing a pretty good job. I mean, Pacquiao's a company that specializes in college athletics. Tessitura is a company that specializes in performing arts. So I think that if you can pull pull off a chunk and become a specialist in a certain area, I think that there is room to grow there. And you know, having been on Ticketmaster, I love the system. It's a great I think it's one of the best, but at the same time, um, there's holes. I mean there's opportunity there. And Nathan Hubbard being as smart as he is and having worked there and seeing under the hood, um, he might be the guy to do it. Well, I love – excuse the quip, Dave. I really enjoy all your inside <laughs> baseball on the ticket industry. Lots of interesting stuff today. This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with veteran sports ticket industry executive Dave Gravencamper. Dave, I'm reading that we're starting to see a membership model for tickets that – I don't know if it's replacing season ticket holders, but seems to be – less of a one-size-fit-all ticket-type plan that can create different levels and unique experiences for fans. Um, I read, for example, Dave, I found this really interesting. The St. Louis Cardinals are now offering a social season ticket where one can have a standing-room-only seat and be able to walk around and enjoy stadium restaurants. That's pretty unique. Uh, what are some creative membership-style ticketing strategies that you like, Dave? Yeah, so I think that that is a compelling way to go about recreating a season ticket. Um, typically tickets are a main portion of a membership, but that's the way they do it in Australia. That's what they do in Great Britain. Um, all the EPL teams, they're, they're, they bring in members and then tickets are a part of your membership. So I do see that 
progressing and becoming a bigger um, play out there. The Sounders, when they started uh, 10 years ago, they they took that concept and they actually sell memberships as opposed to season tickets. That's and right. It's part That's of right. the season ticket. So I think it's a great way to go. I think one to keep an eye on is the Oakland A's. They just released um, what they call an all-access pass, which is I the same that. kind of thing where it's a membership-based situation. Um you know, a lot of flexibility with different tickets. They get discounts off of uh, concessions and parking potentially. So, you know, it'll be good to keep an eye on that one. And I think that the Cardinals, it's a brilliant idea, is to really harness the the millennial crowd out there. I think, you know, a lot of different teams have tried different approaches. The Mariners with the, um, you know, their center field, the bullpen area. Um, you know, the Cardinals, it's a great idea to, to get the younger fan more engaged and out to the ballpark. It's also probably a way to get more casual fans in the park as well. I think so. And I think that that's, you know, I think when you, when you look at the demographics, especially in baseball, it, it skews to being an older generation. So I don't think that's, you know, they're not probably not going to come in on a social pass right. or a general mission ticket, but certainly, um, you know, guys our age, we're not that old <laughs> yet. Um, you know, to give that a shot, I think that that's got some, some legs there too. We're not kids anymore, though, Dave. We're not. <laughs> Dave, I'm also reading a lot about, and I know the Huskies have this, and some Seattle sports teams have this, dynamic pricing where tickets are being sold like stocks, where the bigger games are going for more. Um, I suppose it's a bit of a supply and demand issue, Dave. Um, anywhere, any way you think, Dave, this concept could just backfire? A lot of fans are just going to get sick of paying for more expensive games. Yeah, so that's a it's a loaded question. Dynamic pricing's been around sure. for a good 10, 12 years. In fact, I brought that to UW um, when we opened the new stadium and uh, was on the inside for a lot of those decisions and pricing dynamics. Um, you know, I think it's a really good concept to price it by market. Um, when you look at the secondary market, so many seats are selling so far above face value or even way below for a Monday night Mariner game, for example. Um that I think that there needs to be a balance from the teams. I think dynamic pricing has been a good uh, attempt at that. I think what we did at UW, which was um, maybe better than what a lot of the pro teams are doing, is that we actually lowered prices as well. So you probably didn't pay attention to it because you have season tickets, but um, especially for basketball, we moved that up and down That's right. quite, that. a, quite a bit, depending on how sales were going and trying to meet that, that, um, you know, the, the market price for those seats. Now, did it actually end up, do we end up selling more single game tickets? I don't know if we did or not, but, you know, I think that we were able to capture um, some extra revenue for those more important games. But at the same time, we were trying to get more fans to come out to the low demand games. And I think that, that it worked. Dave, at the University of Washington, you managed a professional staff for nearly a decade, and you implemented some very interesting changes on in the UW ticket front. And I think you're, you, um, We'll definitely have a long-lasting imprint there. Um, Dave, are the days the days of big-time universities running mom-and-pop ticket operations seem to be over? But I have a question for you, though. Um, I remember growing up in Seattle. We both grew up in this town. And I remember my late dad used to always say that the University of Washington tickets were something that a middle-class family could enjoy and something that could bring out a lot of families that maybe the, the even in that era, you know, 70s and 80s, the pro sports games were a little too much for families in that era too. What do you think, Dave? You, a lot of middle-class fans seem to be getting priced out of big-time college sports as well. Should this be a long-term concern for, for big-time college sports? 
Yeah, I think it should be a concern. Um, you know, I think that a lot of colleges are now taking a step back from increasing all the prices and donations and uh, really taking a look at the pro model again, where typically there are seats that are affordable. A lot of them are expensive, but they keep a decent balance of having affordable tickets as well. So we were very conscious of that when we opened the new Husky Stadium. Um, there's a lot of different, you know, value reserved was one area that we created, the East End Zone. We kept that as an affordable seating option. Right. It's more expensive than it was before, but at the same time, you can still you know, go to a Husky game and bring your family and not feel like that you're getting gouged when you're sitting in some of those areas. So I think that it's really important for all colleges to be able to keep that balance where you're, you're being able to bring in the youth because those are the future students of the university and the future donors uh, down the road. So you got to make sure you keep them engaged uh, with your product. Those are great points, Dave. It's interesting that, you know, you were and the ticket staff were cognizant of that. A lot of people are getting priced out. It seems like you took some steps to try to have some tickets that were more affordable. Uh, if you're just tuning in on Sports and Stuff, this is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with veteran sports ticking expert um, Dave Gravencamper. Dave, I looked at your Twitter account again, your Twitter page um, this week, and you have so many interesting posts um, from various writers about the sports ticking industry from around the country. Just great stuff. If you go to Dave Graven Camper's Twitter page, I think any, any fan will find a lot of interesting stuff. And you had a, a post this week that I read that was really interesting, by, written by Dave Wakeman. And Dave writes, the biggest problem with the sports ticket right now is demand. And give me a second. It's a little bit of a mouthful. But uh, one issue, of course, is how online access is can be really easy for a lot of sporting events now. I mean, geez, we could turn on Facebook and watch a Mariners game now. Uh, but Mr. Wakeman writes about several factors that have, reduced, that have reduced demand, such as millennials just have different viewing and spending habits than other generations. Uh, he writes it's easier to get tickets now in the secondary market. Um, he writes, he makes an interesting point, for example, U2 to get people to concerts um, is offering free records. Um, one thing that, that Wakeman writes, Dave, is he thinks that Teams and universities need to offer more incentives to get people to buy tickets earlier. Um, he suggests that we have that the sports teams and universities should have more of an, like an airplane, airline-style price fluctuation system where the ticketing can, costs can really change. What, what's your take, Dave, on, on universities and pro sports franchises converting to more of an airline ticket pricing system? Yeah, well, it gets back to dynamic pricing. So I think that that's an attempt to get to the airline pricing model. Um, again, at UW, we were conscious of going up and down. So, you know, to try and keep um, trending with the market. A lot of pro teams, they don't go down. So they just go up. And I think that's where they run into some trouble or challenges uh, with folks buying tickets as you get closer to the game because the price only goes up, which isn't market demand. So, um, you know, I think that the industry itself is, is moving in that direction. And, you know, to his point, you know, he's spot on with trying to add more value and more incentives to get people to buy, which gets back to your traditional season tickets. No, you know, they should be the most incentivized and throw in the most value add for someone who's committing to the full season before someone is buying a single game ticket. And Dave, you and I are both big baseball fans. You mentioned earlier the Oakland A's are, are implementing kind of unique membership style ticket system so this is what wakeman wrote about in his recent column it's probably something major league baseball can learn from a little bit huh yeah for sure um dave real quickly and i want to get into your experience in australia that's one reason why one of many reasons i want to have you on but um the u.s supreme court recently ruled in a um 
gambling case, there was a challenge to the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act, and the Supreme Court this year basically is giving rule that states should have more latitude on the question of sports gambling. Any thoughts on this is going to affect ticket sales, that, that sports gambling laws are going to be more liberalized? I venture to guess it might help a little bit. Um, just it'll, again, grasp more of the casual fan um, into sports events. They're going to want to actually go to the events or, or be more inclined to go to an event than if they're not betting on it. Um, you know, I think gambling is a really interesting topic uh, in the U.S. Again, having lived in Australia where they're very liberal, you can walk into any pub and place a bet on any sporting event, even in America. Um, so I think that by letting down the guard a little bit, it's going to help increase interest in sports and hopefully have a, a positive effect on ticket sales. Um, but, you know, there's the challenge of just the in-home experience. It's so much better than it was when we were growing up, even just in the last 10 years, that that's always going to be a, a tough competition for anybody who's trying to sell tickets. We'll have to see what happens with that. I, that's the reason why I asked the question is the idea of more gambling as a result of more people staying home or more people going to games. So you gave an interesting answer. It's really kind of a wait-and-see thing, isn't it? It is. And the, the, you know, the, the combat there is that if you're at home, you can still place bets during a, a game, at least in Australia you can, on your mobile phone. So you know, it kind of defeats the purpose of going. But you know, a lot of people, when they gamble, they want to watch. So that's why horse, horse race tracks still exist. People want to go to the live event and be able to put some money down. So I really like your point about horse racing tracks that – People love to gamble and attend the the, 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 the horse racing matches. So that, that's an interesting point. Uh, Paul Schneiderman, again, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, the sports ticketing guru, Dave Gravenkamper. Um, <laughs> Dave, I know you spent a year in Australia, and you lived there with your wife and children for a year. And you worked for Australian, the Australian Baseball League. Um, Tell us about your experience uh, for a minute or two in Australia working for the Australian Baseball League. Wow. We only have a few minutes, but uh, I could go on for days oh, talking about the experience. It's an amazing country. I don't know if any, you've been to Australia or any of the listeners. Love to get there. I've never been there. It's a bucket list thing. Get down there even just to visit. Awesome country. But, um, you know, it's one of those uh, opportunities for me to go down there. Again, I started off my career in baseball. I've always been intrigued to get back into baseball on some level. Um, we opened Husky Stadium, and uh, you know, after we'd gotten through that project, the next goal was to sell out the season. And you know, I was geeked up to do that at first, uh, but after the first year, Chris Peterson, I, I kind of lost maybe a little bit of uh, momentum for that. Um, so I started to look around, and uh, this opportunity came up to go down with Major League Baseball to help them with this fledgling baseball league to, uh, to grow fan support and attendance and ticket revenue. Uh, for I know the, you played a league. role in increasing ticket sales in that league and so forth. Yes. I mean, I, in fairness, I didn't have a whole lot of time to be able to implement a lot of the things that I wanted to, but in a year we did, we did make some progress. But going down there, I don't know if you remember, but Major League Baseball opened their season uh, probably four years ago now, the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. MLB put that on. They sold out the series. There's a lot of uh, momentum and interest in trying to grow fan support down there. So I took it, you know, I jumped at the opportunity to go down there. It was more entrepreneurial than anything I'd ever done. It was an amazing experience. You were in the Sydney area, right? You and your wife yep. and kids. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we're in yeah. Sydney. Um, what was it like as an American living in Australia? Did, did no problems at all? Things go pretty smoothly? <laughs> Yeah, so we were there pre-Trump. So, you know, there are two questions that were always asked from anybody we met. 
One is, what are your thoughts on gun control because yeah. they're banned down there? And then what are your thoughts on Trump? And you can imagine what their their feelings are on both topics. I bet. And those are definitely two <laughs> questions I think Americans, Americans get when they're abroad. Do, do you see baseball, Dave, um, taking off big time in Australia one day? Do you see, I know like Ryan Roland Smith, former Mariner, current broadcasters of Australian descent, uh, Graham Lloyd, I believe. There's a few Australian Major League Baseball players. Can you see it taking off there one day? I think it can grow for sure, but um, – Little did I, a lot of people don't know this, but they've been playing baseball in Australia for a hundred years. So it's not a, it's not a new sport by any means. They've had, you know, some handful of, of Australians who played in, in the majors over the years. And, um, you know, I think it's still a niche sport. So it's like rugby here in the U S it's just a niche sport. Um, it's going to be tough to grow up beyond, uh, the level that it's at now. Um, they've got a lot of competition in summer. Uh, with cricket, with basketball is actually a summer sport, so is soccer. So they've got a lot of competition. Um, so I'm not sure. It, it can definitely grow, but I'm not sure how big it can get. It's not going to be a top sport down there by any means. You really enjoyed your year there, didn't you? It was amazing. And the country's awesome. The people are, are super friendly. The wildlife, I mean, all the you know the dangerous animals, the, the cool animals, the kangaroos, and the koalas. It was amazing. Well, the great thing, Dave, about this show, sports and stuff, we, we can get into kangaroos and everything, <laughs> so we can, we, can, we can mix it up a little beyond sports, too. Yeah. Um, Dave, what, what are, real quickly, we're kind of winding down, what we have in our minute or two, Lucius, I think, but Dave, um, when you were, obviously the internet has played a role in changing the sports ticket industry since you started in the mid-90s. Any other quick, any other changes you've seen in the last 20, 25 years you can throw in? Obviously, the internet's a major change, but any, any other changes you've seen in the industry? Internet, which has led to the secondary markets, there's, you know, every team and uh, university is fighting the secondary market um, on a daily basis, trying to figure out how to embrace it or send it away or, you know, anything that has to do with uh, scalping or brokers. I mean, that's that's a big topic that's still ongoing. And I really think it's about the mobile phone. So a lot of ticket companies are working on making improvements for the mobile experience. And, you know, in the next five years, I'd be surprised that they're still printing tickets. It's all going to be on your phone. Dave, that's a really good point. I mean, this, this little phone thing we have is just amazing. It's like a limb now. It's just, <laughs> it sure just such is. a role. Well, Dave, we have less than a minute left, and I've really enjoyed having you on, and I, I've wanted to get you on for a while, so thanks for coming to the studio to do this interview. What does the future hold for Dave Gravenkamper? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I spent some time at the Sports Commission, which is a great experience to, uh, to get back in the sporting community here in Seattle. Um, but you know, down deep, I, my career is based around tickets and ticket sales and, and customer service. So, you know, that's my goal is to find another position could be the new NHL team, you know, fingers crossed on that. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to get back into, get my career going again in ticket sales. I've been doing some consulting on the side. So that's been fun too. Well, Dave, you've had so many positions for so many different sports franchises, great position, Risky Washington, great position, in Australia, the list goes on. I'm, I'm sure you're going to find something terrific. And it's just been a lot of fun to, to have you on and get a little bird's eye view of the, the sports ticking industry. And obviously, you and I will continue to be in touch. Anytime, Paul. Thanks, Thanks for David. having me. You take care.